Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out at Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I know, my dragon is noisy. Dragons are noisy! (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I actually want to do a little bit of prelude before we go into the passage for today to see how we got here to this um, dragon moment that we are in. Um, So I, a few years ago, was walking through Lowe's Home Improvement. You know, they had the big display of all of their blow-ups that you could buy. And I walked by a blow-up dragon, very much like this one. And I was offended. I said, I mean, Christmas is getting out of hand. What do dragons have to do with Christmas? This is ridiculous. I stormed out of Lowe's, and then about a week later, I sat bolt up and went, Revelation! (laughs) Revelation has a Christmas dragon! I take it all back! There are dragons in Christmas! And I, I made a pledge in that moment that someday I would preach about dragons on Christmas Day. My friends, that day is here. <laughs> and it is, it is a combination of a couple of things have come together to make this happen. Not only does Christmas Day fall on a Sunday, but we are in the process as a congregation of reading through the Bible. And we started with the New Testament. And so, because I told people, if you ask folks to start with um, Genesis, reading the Bible, then by Leviticus, they think you're crazy, and by Numbers, they hate you. So, we had to start with the New Testament, and that means that that put Revelation landing on this day. So, that is what brings us to Revelation and our Christmas dragon, and in fact, also, um, there is... Uh, the reality that this is a Christmas story. Um, Now, I do want to share that I've been so excited about this sermon that I've been telling people, we're going to hear about a Christmas dragon on Christmas Day. And some of the kids have found out. And so Wyatt Russell caught me the night of the children's Christmas play and said, I heard you were going to be talking about dragons on Christmas Day. And I said, I am. He said, oh, he can't be there. I'm so bummed. And he goes, he said, uh, why are you preaching about dragons? And I said, well, because there's a dragon in the Bible. And he goes, no, there's not. And I said, yes, there is in Revelation. And he goes, okay, well, then I have some questions. Is it a boy dragon or a girl dragon? And I said, I don't think it actually says. And then he says, okay, well, what is the dragon's name? And I said, I don't think it actually says that either. So um, I took a picture when, when this, I blew this up to make sure it would, it would work. Um, uh, and I sent a picture to Jennifer Russell and I said, show this to Wyatt and ask him if it's a boy or a girl and what its name is. And this is, I would like to introduce you all to Ralphie the Christmas Dragon. And so I think, I would like to thank Wyatt Russell for naming our Christmas Dragon for us. Um, But before I actually go into the story in Revelation, I also want to give you a little bit of information about Revelation. Because Revelation is a book that some denominations love to spend time in. But Methodists on the whole run from it like it has the plague. Well, I mean, it does talk about some plagues. But um, 
but really we do that to our own disservice because Revelation is actually, for me, one of my very favorite books. And um, it is one of my favorite books because, first of all, it wraps up the Bible beautifully, but also it speaks about when people of faith are under persecution or oppression or going through really hard times and experiencing loss, and, um, and their world has been turned upside down by that loss. Revelation is a book of hope, and we miss that when we don't speak about it. Um, I think one of the other things that is a struggle for us when we approach Revelation is the symbolism. I hear that all the time. I do not understand what this book is saying. I do not understand these symbols. And for the most part, I tell people, don't get bogged down in the symbols. Um, instead, just experience the story of it. That this very dramatic recounting of what it's like to be in times of struggle and loss. But I want to give you a little bit of information about the symbolism in Revelation. First of all, it is intended to be slippery. Um, the symbolism in Revelation is intended to have multiple meanings. In the time it was written, it was intended to have multiple meanings. And that is because this is written by an oppressed group of people. An oppressed group of peoples always write in code so that they don't, whatever they write does not immediately result in additional persecution. So in a minute here, I'm going to read you a part that's where an, at least part of an eagle is going to show up. And to Romans, the eagle was, a, was associated with Zeus or the emperor. So it's going to look like Zeus or the emperor did something heroic in this story. Where, whereas to Christians, the eagle is associated with Christ. Um, so to the Christian group reading this, they know who the real hero is, but because they're using this slippery symbol, they can avoid some of the pressure of Rome and still get their message out. People have done this with symbolism all the time. How many of y'all have heard that when they were, um, when the Underground Railroad was active, people would hang quilts out to dry and the quilts had directions to the next safe house put in the quilt, in the design of the quilt. But unless you were a part of that group, you just saw a quilt hanging out to dry. This has been a way that, that oppressed groups have done, have, have given messages right under the, the means of power all the time. But for me, the other powerful thing about the fact that these symbols are slippery is that they can have meaning in multiple times and in multiple situations, how, if we hear about an eagle, what do we associate eagles with? The United States, right? Um, and so uh, all of these things that are used, not only were meant to give hope and comfort and cover to the people under oppression at the time, but they also mean that through the power of the Holy Spirit working, um, they can continue to have meaning and speak into different situations for us. So I'm going to read you uh, Revelation 12. Uh, it says in your bulletin that I'm going to read 1 through 7, but I'm actually going to also read 13 through 17, which is probably not on the screen, um, but it gives you a little bit fuller understanding of the story, and I think it's going to be important. So hear now the word of the Lord. Then a great sign appeared in heaven. 
a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because she was in labor, in pain from giving birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. It was a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven royal crowns on his head. His tail swept down a third of heaven's stars and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male child who is to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snatched up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the desert where God had prepared a place for her. There she will be taken of for 1,260 days. When the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he chased the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly to her place in the desert. There she would be taken care of out of the snake's reach for a time and times and half a time. Then from his mouth the snake poured a river of water after the woman so that the river would sweep her away. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was furious with the woman and he went off to make war on the rest of her children, on those who keep God's commandments and hold firmly to the witness of Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So contained in this story is actually three stories. The first story is Christ was born. This is a coded way of telling the Christmas story. Did you recognize any familiar pieces in it? This woman who has given birth to a son who will rule the world? But there's more. There's more. This birth was not an easy birth. Well, at least in the days following, right? We, we heard last night that one of the things that happens is the Magi come to visit and Herod is tipped off. That there is another king in town, and Herod wants to destroy this other king. Herod is the dragon in this story. Herod comes after the holy family, and yet the holy family is able to be whisked away into the desert. They flee off to Egypt, where they are safe. But does Herod, is he settled with that? No, he takes it out on the children of Bethlehem and slaughters them. You hear that story in this story? It was a way for an oppressed people to recall that for themselves and to remind all of the ones that were gathered, remember this story that we have. But it's not just that story. It's also the Easter story. Christ is risen. So, the child lives The child survives. The child is carried up into heaven to rule with God. That is what happens at Easter, despite the fact that the the dragon, which in this case is all the powers of the Roman Empire, um, comes for the child and tries to kill the child. The child still yet lives and reigns in heaven. But 
As a result of that, and as a result of proclaiming that truth, the dragon went after the followers. The dragon goes after those that claim Jesus Christ as Lord, which is exactly what is happening in the midst of this. And they too fled to the desert. So whenever um, the the temple falls in 70, um, both Jewish believers and Christian believers fled into the desert to hide. So they are given safe passage. They flee to the desert. That is where they find their safe refuge. And then this is the story of Christ will come again. This is also the story of the final coming. Revelation does tell us that ultimately the destiny of humanity is in the hands of God. That ultimately, no matter what struggles we go through as a people, no matter how many times we have to be rescued, that ultimately God is on the throne and Christ is our Savior. And we can rest assured in that hope. So in those final days, whenever those final days are, we have this hope to stand on. How about that? Three stories in one. Because this dragon, in all cases, represents the threat on the believers, however it comes. And it represents that in the midst of resistance, the dragon will get angrier and angrier. And it doesn't really matter what time we're talking about. Which brings us to today. Part of the reason that's very easy to find a giant blow-up dragon is that dragons are very popular right now. Thanks to Game of Thrones, in large part, right? And House of Dragons, right? Um, But one of the things that cultural critics will study is who are the popular monsters of the day and what does that tell us? When zombies were really popular, it was telling us that that the public was asleep. We had become zombified. We weren't paying attention to things that were going on around us. When vampires actually are very popular, it's when um, power seems very seductive. Um, There's a lot of uh, emphasis on lifestyles of the rich and famous. Dragons. Dragons are big, mythical forces that seem insurmountable. That seem there is no way around them. That if a dragon is coming for you, what can you do? What can you do? And yet, for us, for those of us that have a Christmas faith, or even better, an Easter faith, who know that no matter what powers come for us, we will always be brought to life. We will always be carried by God. There is no dragon. If there is fear in your life, if there is loss in your life, if there is anger and hate and division in your life, those are big dragons. 
And yet with a Christmas or an Easter faith, those fiery red dragons become Ralphie, the Christmas dragon. (laughs) So my friends, that is what I invite you today to do. Turn your fiery red dragons, whatever they are, into something of joy, something of peace, something fun and magical with candy canes in its mouth, something that takes that fear and that threat away because Christ is on the throne and Christ has us all. And in that, we have all hope. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.